Connie sent me a note earlier this week, and she said, these are the songs that I'm thinking about doing this weekend. Do these work? And I said, yeah, they'll work fine. And as I looked at them and I thought, I'm not sure at all how those are going to work, but they'll work fine because they always do. Connie and I have always been pretty much in sync. And until last night, I had no idea how well they were going to work. And sometimes that just kind of happens. Things shift. When spirit is trying to get me to a place, things shift. And so um, things shifted yesterday as I was finishing up my final notes for today. And um, I want to invite you into the possibility of this song. I want to finish out our month of will and move into our month of order, reminding you of all of the things that we talked about last month. Because the ability to step into smiling when things are hard is an act of will, isn't it? It is an absolute choice that changes everything. When, the, when your face changes to smile, a whole, it begins a whole cascade of hormonal things that happen in your body that shift the state that you're in. So this is a powerful thing, and it's a powerful thing in line with where we're going that we move from will now into order. So we know we have all of these tools that we can use. Everything you see on the wall, if you're here joining us for the first time or have only been here a little while, these topics that you see are our last eight months of study. We started with faith, moved to strength, wisdom, love, power, imagination, understanding, and will. These are eight of the 12 powers that were offered to us in teachings from Charles Fillmore, who is one of the original founders of the unity movement. So it takes a certain amount of will in your life to decide what state you're going to be in. When you decide what it is that you want to create, order may be an important thing for you to consider. So today we're going to talk a little bit about some philosophical uh, ways of looking at spiritual teachings. And I want to start by saying to you, how many of you have been around the unity movement for five years? How many of you have been around for 10 years? 20 years? How about 30 years? Do we have anybody who's been around the unity movement longer than 30 years? How long, Bertie? Over 35. Noreen? Yeah, since the, uh, since the early 80s. Since the early 80s. So you guys, this will be interesting for you because we're going to talk about, about a couple of the main beliefs. And if you're new here, it'll be interesting because we have this understanding that we are part of the new thought spiritual path. And by the fact that it says new, we think that it is, right? We believe that it's new. New thought is actually about, a, in, in that title, is actually about 100 years old. But there is a theory or a religious philosophy, and it's called Prisca Theologia. I want you to say it with me. Prisca Theologia. You can look it up and you can study it. It's interesting. But in, in its condensed, condensed version... In its Reader's Digest condensed version, what it means is this, 
there is a common thread that runs through all faiths. So if God is at the center of all things, then this thread and this thread and this thread and this thread and this thread must all have God in common. There are also some similar things that we can find in a variety of beliefs. So let me see if I have my glasses. I don't. Oh, yes, I do. Let me read you a couple of things. This particular faith believes that humanity is on a spiritual journey to return to a state of oneness with the divine. It holds that if we would attain to be the, if we would attain the, the divine, then we must also aspire to be our own divine. It holds that uh, there is a mixture of eclectic and other material that can be drawn that includes both Eastern and Western philosophy, and also holds that the universe is divine and basically good, so we are divine and basically good. It understands that human beings can access the divine through meditation, prayer, and ritual, and it urges those who seek the divine to also seek balance in embracing all things and to seek balance between being and doing. For those of you who have been here, let's say 10 plus years, who does that sound like? Sounds almost directly like our five principles, doesn't it? It's not. Here's another belief. In this particular faith tradition, it's believed that living an ethically good and balanced life is important. It's believed that meditation and prayer as a regular practice will help attain your own divinity. It's believed that thoughts have power, that beliefs cultivate the inner self, and that's important for spiritual progress, and that all religions are a reflection of God. Who does that sound like? Oh, amazing. This particular belief, this particular faith tradition believes that God is absolute good everywhere present. It understands that every human being has a spark of divinity within, that our essence is of God and therefore human beings are inherently good. It accepts that as human beings, we create our experiences by the activity of our thought and that practicing prayer and meditation are the best ways we can heighten our connection with God. And it says knowing and understanding is not enough, that we must also live the truth we know. Who does that sound like? That one is unity. The first one was Hermeticism. The second one was Hindu. So this is the thread I want us to follow this morning. I want us to recognize that our new thought beliefs have very ancient roots, that There is a reason that we believe what we do and that it didn't just pop into somebody's head a short time ago. Hermeticism was initiated in ancient Egypt. Uh, There's a, a correlation between a figurehead in ancient Egypt who was known as Thoth. He's the ibis headed god. You might have seen him if you've done any Egyptian study. Hermes, who was a deity in the Greek culture, God of communication. Thoth was the God of communication and math. Hermes was the the God of communication and analysis in the Greek culture. And Mercury in the Roman culture, who was the God of communication, speed, and wisdom. All three of these combined, these three, the teachings of all three, form the best basis of uh, hermetic study. 
And in her medic study, her medic study is the uh, basis for alchemy. How many of you have heard of alchemy? The ability to turn lead to gold. The hermetic studies, when you get underneath everything that is on the surface, it's not really about turning lead to gold. It's about turning the human, the lead of the human soul to the gold of the human soul. It's about divine transformation, which is still to this day what we're studying. How do we come from our most base self to our most divine self? How do we study the teachings of all the masters and come to Christ consciousness, whether we call it Christ consciousness or enlightenment or Buddhic uh, availability, whatever it is that we call it. How do we get from our day-to-day material self into that place where we're really living as the divine? This is a question that has been with mankind for eons. The Hindu faith is over 5,000 years old and is the first recorded religion on earth. First trackable, written down, recorded religion. 5,000 years ago, they were talking about what we're talking about right now. So I want to today offer hermetic principle to you. I want to offer this because it's a very valuable, valuable principle. And the principle is, as above, so below. As within, so without. As above, say it with me. As above, so below. As within, so without. This comes from basic hermeticism. In our unity teachings, we would say, what you think creates your world. Same basic principle. What you think is creating your world. How are you interpreting your world? What outside of you is affecting your thought? And how is your thought creating your world? It's important to see this thread because it's important to understand there is some sense of order in the universe. That there is a lesson being offered to us that has been offered since the beginning of time and carries with us because it's the most important thing we can learn. The most important thing we can learn is that the universe is working with us in a collaborative, creative order to show us what we need to do so that we have some way of creating ourselves with the divine. We get to look at what happens outside of us. We get to watch a video like this that tells us we came from the stars, that the very stuff of the stars is who we are. We are not unconnected or separate. We are of the stars, The atoms in our body are the same atoms that comprise the universe. Now think about that for a minute. That's pretty dang fascinating. Makes me feel big and powerful. How about you? Okay, let me see if I can take your head down about two sizes and point out to you that in the grand scheme of the universe, the little dot on the end of my fingertip that would be the earth, you wouldn't be able to find it. We are so infinitesimally small in the grandness of the universe. Everything we know is on this planet. All the people we've ever known, every book we've ever read, every meal we've ever eaten, every animal we've ever stroked, all on this planet. Every single thing we know about life is right here. And yet we came from out there. 
and we are a speck. Do you think there must be some divine order that keeps us spinning? Something that keeps us from being gone. There is something happening, isn't there? Something we can learn from. We can see if we look out at space. We can see that there is chaos, and then there is order. And then there is chaos again, and then there is order and chaos and order and chaos and order. And these things flow one into the other, don't they? If they didn't, what would happen? If there was no flow in the universe, what happens when there's no flow in a river? You get stagnant water, don't you? (laughs) It's not very pleasant. Smells bad. Harbors germs and mosquitoes. Our lives cannot be stagnant. They have to be continuously moving. In order to be continuously moving, there must be some order. We have to move from chaos back to order, to chaos to order, and that's what we see in our lives. So when we think about this song, we think about smiling when my heart is breaking. How am I going to do that? I'm going to smile when my heart is breaking because I know the natural cycle of life is to move from chaos to order. And when I feel like everything in my life has been blown apart and my guts have been spilled out, somehow I'm going to know by looking out beyond myself that chaos always leads to order. That's where our hope comes from. We know because we see it. We know there is an eternal presence of beauty because we walk out the doors and we see that mountain every single day. There are so many things that we learn from this maxim, as below, as above. As above, as below, as below, as above. So here, oh, that's backwards, isn't it? What does that mean? What if it works that way? What if it's not just as above, so below, but it's also as below, so above? Wow. What if the I Ching is right? The I Ching is an ancient philosophy of China that says, if your inside is orderly and organized, your exterior world will be orderly and organized. What if that's true? How many of you, when you're really, really upset, do what I do and go clean something? (laughs) If you haven't tried it, work. Try it. What if by creating order in our life, we create order in our soul? What if by creating order in our soul, we create order in our world? What if by creating order in our world, we begin to create order in the universe? What if it really, really matters that we have some sense of our own power in the universe to change things? What if what we do here every Sunday morning is changing things universally? Whoa! It is. Absolutely, positively is. All kinds of scientific and spiritual information we can use to come back to this. But there is a reason why early on we understood that our thoughts make a difference. And we're still teaching it today. 
all these years later. We're still teaching, as these faiths and many more do, that there is one God. There may be many, many faces of God. Many, many faces. I often think about a diamond, that a diamond has many facets to it. And each facet holds its own kind of brilliance, its own kind of light. But you don't get the brilliance of the whole stone until you look at all the facets together. All of those faces are facets on something that is so great and so profoundly brilliant. There is one God. Many faces, one God. If there's only one God, and that's all there is, if the whole stuff of the universe is God, and we came from the same stars as everything else, we are the same atoms as everything else, then we have to be one with God. Because what else could we possibly be? What else is there? That's it. And if we think that God is inherently good, then we must be good too, because that's all there is. It's a big, big idea to connect with God. We need tools just to recognize who we can be, how we can create, and how powerful we truly are. So we meditate and we pray. We learn to do those things in certain ways. And from our prayers and our meditations, from that, that practice, we become self-disciplined enough to control our thoughts, to control our feelings, to smile when things are bad because we know they're going to be better, to confront what is really hurting us and be with it, to choose in the world how we will move forward. How we will move forward rather than being victims to the world. And then we move forward, don't we? The last of our five principles is knowing this is not enough. You have to take this out and do something with it. Live your life. Do something with it doesn't mean you have to go take on a big challenge in the world and fix it. You can, but you don't have to. What you have to do is remember that what's going on within you is changing what's going on outside of you. These principles that are what unity is founded on are old. They're ancient. They're eons old. This new thought is a very old thought, a very powerful, meaningful, important way of living. How many of you are grateful to know that it didn't just start 100 years ago? That what you may have been thinking of as something brand new is very old and continues to be our good work in the world. What you're doing here makes a difference because how you feel, how you think, how you move allows you to bring the divine out to truly be God expressing. And that's what we're working for. That is the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to be oneness expressing on the planet. And that doesn't mean we all have to be alike. I often will tell people I do not want the cells in my toenails to think they're ears. I really don't want that to happen, right? They need to stay down there where they are. The same is true of us. Each of us has a different job to do. Being in oneness with one another does not mean we're all going to lose our uniqueness, our individuality. 
It doesn't mean that we have to be something different than we are today. It means we have to understand who we are today, just like Christ did. The reason the stories of Christ are so powerful is because this is what he did. He believed and understood his own divinity on earth, that he was here to walk and talk and be and breathe God. And he did. And so he walked on water and he healed people and he ate dinner with whoever he wanted to. Didn't make everybody happy, but that's what he did. That's what we're here to do. We're here to be who God is. And all of these tools are designed to get us there. And we find out that they're working when we start to see the synchronicities in life. When we start seeing the same message show up over and over and over. There's a a theological synchronicity between hermeticism and Hinduism and unity. There's a synchronous thought in the mind of God going in many different directions to different countries, to different places, but it's one synchronous thought. And that's what we're living into, and that's why we gather here on Sundays and why we do all the work that we do. Because it's changing everything. I have a few quotes for you. This one is from Anonymous. It says, man is a microcosm or a little world because he is the extract of all the stars and planets of the whole firmament from the earth, the elements, and so he is quintessent. Jean Shinoda Bolin said, synchronistic meetings are like mirrors that reflect something of ourselves. If we want to grow spiritually, all we have to do is to take a good look Synchronicity holds the promise that if we want to change inside, the patterns of our external life will change as well. Deepak Chopra said, according to the Vedanta, there are only two symptoms of enlightenment, just two indications that a transformation is taking place within you toward a higher consciousness. The first symptom is that you stop worrying. Things don't bother you anymore. You become lighthearted and full of joy. The second symptom is that you encounter more and more meaningful coincidences in your life, more and more synchronicity. And this accelerates to the point where you actually experience the miraculous. Finally, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross says, there are no mistakes, no coincidences. All events are blessings given to us to learn from. So this song that Connie's going to sing is a coincidence, a synchronicity, because she had no idea I was going to show this video and thought I was talking about something entirely different. (laughs) 